0: And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dozella, and myself, Son Edom, talk about the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And Dan, you know, recently there's been a lot of social issues coming out in America. It's been taking place over the last few years. It's always been there, but it's more, I guess, heightened or maybe profound or emphasized most recently And when you talk about these social issues, whether it's from racism to LGBT to abortion to any other thing, the fundamental underlining experience that people talk about is religion. You know, you can look at it through you can look at the at these issues through the lens of either a political or a religious lens. That's pretty much what it comes down to. And so when you talk about religion, there's so many people out there that claim that they're religious. And I guess if you take and replace religion with spiritual, you probably get a lot more people that say they were spiritual. But when you talk about religions and you talk about Christianity, you talk about, you know, Protestantism, you talk about Catholicism, you know, and then some of the other religions that are out there. You've got a bunch of people that will say they are religious in some factor. But really when it comes down to it, what is it that they're talking about? What are they identifying, which is a key word these days, what are they identifying as? Are they identifying as someone who's just someone that believes a religion, a higher purpose, a higher calling, a higher power, a higher entity, or are they talking about the true Christianity, the Bible-believing Christianity that you know we've known all these years it to be? And so I guess the question is, as you write in the Christian Post, you know, why are so many religious people unconverted? And I thought that might be something that we can talk about here on the program.
1: Yeah, it really is an important topic, Son. And as you say, there are so many millions if not billions of religious people in the world when you take all the world religions uh you know all the smaller religions uh you know earlier this week i was offering some christian literature to an older gentleman and a nice enough guy and and he just his, his response was you know he he said no thanks he said i'm affiliated i'm already affiliated and and so i assume what he meant by that is you know he has a church that he belongs to um and so you know i didn't didn't certainly, you know, press them on that. But, you know, I think for a lot of people, um, being affiliated, uh, having a label, um, you know, maybe having some rituals that you do. Um, and, and, and even, you know, for some people it's, it, it's, it can be, um, one type of ritual for one, one type for another, but they consider that their, their religion. Um, and yet when it comes down to it, you know, Jesus never told anyone you must be religious, uh, but he, he he did say you must be born again. And so, the point of my article, uh, which was uh, why so many religious people remain unconverted, was just simply to point out that there are millions of, of people who go about their their rituals; they go about their religious practices. But they have not experienced the miracle of conversion. Um, They've not been born again, redeemed, justified, forgiven, and saved, which happens on the front end of a person's relationship with God. But you cannot work your way into conversion. You cannot bring about conversion. Now, what God does call us to do is to repent and believe. That was Jesus' first sermon, in fact, in Mark one fifteen, So how does that happen? Well, God works through the preaching of the word. He works through the gospel message when it's shared, maybe one-on-one, or when somebody's reading it. Uh, God works through the gospel message. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts a person of sin. They repent of their sin. They turn to God. And what I like to invite people to do just as an expression of faith in Jesus is just to say the simple phrase, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood as a way of saying to the Lord, you know, Lord, I, I believe that you not only died on the cross and you not only rose again, 2000 years ago, but I do believe based on the words of scripture, that your blood has the power to wash away my sins. And your word tells me that's my greatest need. And, and so Jesus, I come to you as a sinner Uh, I turn from my sin. I ask you to wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. Now, obviously, son, I mean, a person wouldn't have to say that phrase to be forgiven because we're justified through faith. So it's not the the wording of a prayer. Uh, You know, over the years, there's been a lot of focus on the sinner's prayer you know uh and then people prayed the sinner's prayer which which you know is, is certainly not a bad thing to do you know the sinner's prayer is basically you know asking the lord you know to, to be your savior well that's great um well one thing that some observers have noted though is there have been people who've prayed that prayer and now maybe years later I, you know they're nowhere near a relationship with christ so what happened well um you know, in the Bible, uh, you know, conversion is the beginning of our relationship with God. And, and I would say, son, if it really um, sticks, as it were, um, you know, it, it's just like with a, a child who's born, you know. Um, we celebrate the birth of the child, but we also know that this child's going to have to be fed. You can't just leave the baby alone, you, you, that baby's not going to be able to stay alive unless the the child is fed and cared for and nurtured. And and so when a person accepts Christ and, you know, maybe they pray the sinner's prayer as an expression of their faith in Jesus now. Uh, Maybe they pray, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. Now, you know, son, we're dealing with something far superior to just religion. Um, You know, religion is about man trying to get to God, But Christianity is about a relationship that God gives us um, through knowing his son, trusting his son, uh, trusting the the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it, it, it's not religion that God wants us to have. It, it's a relationship. Now, you know, if somebody likes to use that word religion, and I they say I'm religious and everything, and and they're a, they're a Christian. I mean, fine. I mean, nothing wrong with that word. But the point of my article was just that you can be religious in the way the world defines that like those religious uh, Jewish leaders that Jesus uh, often addressed, the Pharisees. I mean, he had some very harsh words for them. Um, he, Jesus was very tame, I mean, around uh, the people the world considered the biggest sinners, like the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the adulterers. I mean, Jesus never railed against them. Now he called them to repentance and faith, uh, just like he does everyone. But he didn't rail against them, um, but he did rail against the hypocrites. He did rail against those religious leaders who were pretending to be all so devout and you know caring about people and, and and yet Jesus said, "Hey, you know if you knew my father you're you're claiming to know my father if you really knew him you would you would believe in me but but the fact that you don't believe in me." Um, That just shows you don't know my father. So um, they were religious, son, but they weren't saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and and forgiven. And by the way, um, it's in John 3 that Jesus said you must be born again. And who was he talking to? None other than a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And he's an interesting one because he came to Jesus at night, uh, but he was a speaker. Uh, That is, he, he wanted to learn more. And, and, and so if a person is open to learning more from God, if they're interested in more than just religion, you know, jumping through the hoops, you know, being affiliated, um, have, you know, getting their check in the box, if they're interested in what God wants us to have, which is a relationship, a living dynamic, growing relationship with the Lord of the universe, well then, Hey, that's very, very, uh, accessible, um, But it requires repenting of your sin, coming, trusting Christ as Savior, putting your confidence in the cross as your salvation not in what you do and that's why my article addressed the fact that many religious people remain unconverted because many religious people son are under the false assumption that their religiosity their religious deeds their religion is going to save their soul because they're devout and and they're they're jumping through the right religious hoops etc well none of that washes away even a single sin hence the prayer wash me jesus with your precious blood because the blood of Jesus can do what religion can't even begin to do.
0: You know, Dan, there's a few things that I think that have contributed to where we are today with the, uh, the church and Christianity. And when you talk about false prophets, you know, leading hordes of unsuspecting people astray, there's, there's a lot of people that will, if you say something in the name of God, Or in the name of Jesus, or in the name of Christianity, they automatically accept it and believe it without question. I've been always taught from an early age and encourage people to question everything. Question what the pastor is saying. You know, you don't have to be vigil. I mean, you don't have to be a vigilante about it, but you know, you should not just accept anything that's said. On the face value, you should check it with scripture. And the more you know right. scripture, then the easier it becomes to check it because you don't have to sit there and research all the time. But, anyways, so you should always check everything that's being said. But a lot of people just genuinely accept it. And I think that's what happens when we get into kind of this false teaching leading people away, or you got things like prosperity gospel, you got gospel light. And one of the things in my experience was this. Okay, so Bill Hybels came out with Willow Creek Church. And it became kind of this thing where this trend, I guess, where you take away offending the non-believer. you take the crosses down off the church. And the youth group that I was in at the time I was, uh, I think my junior year in high school started to um, adopt and adapt these principles. And yeah. so you started making Sunday morning less offensive, whatever that meant, but you know less offensive to the non-believer, and you yeah. started making it like, you know, seeker-sensitive and all this stuff. And so what happened then, you started, yeah, getting people coming in maybe more to the church and, and checking it out. Now, one of the reasons why Bill Hybels and his group started this type of thing was because when they did a, a survey, people said church is boring. They said that people, you know, the church asked for money. And there was all these different reasons that were preferences, I guess you can say, okay. as opposed to the gospel is whatever. You know, had nothing to do with the preaching. It had everything to do with, you know, okay, so church is boring. So I guess the hymns are boring, but the hymns are based in, you know, biblical principles, a lot of them, scripture. Nowadays, a lot of, you know, modern Christian music is good. It's uplifting, but there really isn't that scriptural basis for a lot of these Christian songs. Anyways, so you have these churches like this that are now instilling principles in how church organization is. And so in our church, we adapted that. A lot of the longtime people uh, that were there split, took off. So we started seeing this new group of people coming in, you know, which is fine. But then they started to leave after six months, seven months. It was like a revolving door. And so then later in life, Bill Hybels, you know, and his uh, group go back and they, I guess, did some sort of survey. And basically what happened was their program, they asked, you know, these people, I guess, that came to the church, you know, where do you think the deficit was in our philosophy, basically? And I'm paraphrasing. And they said that, well, after about a year or two, there was nothing there for other people to follow up with. There was mm-hmm. no, there was there's nothing there after the first two years. Yeah. You had the, you know, Hey, invite your non-Christian friend into the church. You know, you had your, your integrity friendship, then you had your full cycle evangelism right. and then you had bring them into a small group. But then after two right. years, you, or, or a certain amount of time, you kicked them to the curb and made them go do this full cycle yes. evangelism. And now after about a year or yeah. two, you know, these baby Christians are now supposed to go be mature Christians and then they just give up yeah. and they go out, out yeah. into the world again, do their own thing. But, they identify as being religious because they were in the church for a couple of years. So my point is, is that it doesn't even have mm-hmm. to be these like false preachers that are blatantly false. It right. could be like a misunderstanding of delivering scripture and gospel to people and just mm-hmm. the slightest twitch. I mean, I've said it many times. You've got people where you Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Hey, is there any other ways to, to God besides Jesus? Oh, yeah, there is. And then they list off all these things, and that's not even what the Bible says. Not even what Jesus says. Right, so, right, right. so that type of thing, it doesn't even have to be the false, false teachings. It could just be Satan utilizing right. just a twist of something yep. to send a yep. whole group of believers off on this blind path, wandering through the wilderness for 40 years.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's right, Son. It's interesting. You might remember when this was. I don't remember the exact year, uh, but you and I have probably talked about this years ago. Um, you know, Bill Hybels would later go on to basically say, you know, I think we, we kind of got discipleship wrong. You know, we focused so much on making worship services, you know, seeker sensitive that, um, we didn't really take people deep enough in the word. Now, you know, take, for example, Son, compare um, having every Sunday be like an evangelistic, you know, uh, event for the lost. And, and, hey, I'm all for reaching the lost. And and even on Sunday mornings, reaching any lost people were there. Obviously, Uh, I mean, there's such a need for that. But compare that to, let's say, the what I would say is a very you know healthy model of like Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel. Uh, now Chuck Smith has gone on to heaven, but where where, where he would preach through the Bible, um, you know, and, and I forget how many times seven, eight, maybe that he preached through the Bible over decades of, of preaching. But but every every time they, they they came together for worship, I mean, they're just preaching out of the Word, and that's going to feed feed the, the the sheep. But it's also going to reach lost people. But you're going to You're going to help people to grow, then, and and avert that problem that you mentioned about you know people would go through a few programs, you know, maybe there at Willow Creek, but then it's like, what do you really have to hang your hat on um, if you're not growing in the Word and it's just kind of just this you know like evangelistic rally every Sunday? Well, um, what's interesting to me as well on that song is uh, I'll I'll never forget (laughs) that. Um, a well-known preacher, and, and I like him as far as I mean, you know. He, he he preaches the gospel. And uh, Andy Stanley, who's the son of Charles Stanley, a very well-known Southern Baptist minister, um, Andy Stanley has become uh, known now in our country not only because he pastors a large church, but just because from time to time you know he'll have different statements that are really um, you know catch people off guard and say, no, oh, wait a minute, well, what's he talking about?" And 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 what he started talking about here. Thank you two or three years ago was he was really trying to downplay the old Testament and, and really just almost trying to make it sound like, you know, all we really need today is the new Testament. And and my guess is son, It's because maybe he was hearing from, you know, skeptics of Christianity that, you know, we're not going to believe in a God who, who uh, did some of the things that God did in the old Testament. Okay. So you got skeptics that aren't comfortable with that. And obviously they wouldn't be comfortable with what God, you know, did to his own son. Uh, for our salvation, you know, but I mean, you know, so, so you can try to cater to the skeptics, but I'll, I'll never, um, I'll never forget though. You know, Andy Stanley was sharing how uh, he'd been like a youth pastor in his dad's uh, in that ministry there. At, uh, I want to say first Baptist in Atlanta. And, and I think maybe he had, maybe there were a couple hundred youth that he was ministering to, but, but believe it or not, son, he went to a, uh, a church conference in Chicago at Willow Creek. And he said it just completely changed uh, the way he looked at ministry. In fact, I'll never forget, you know, he, he made the statement, it wrecked me it wrecked me and he meant that in a very positive way he meant it wrecked me from thinking about the old way of, of of doing church where you just maybe preach the bible um you know cover to cover um old testament new testament feed the feed the the sheep you know that way and i think what he discovered is that hey there is a way to try to get more people in the door um if if you can have this theater seating and theater experience and and you downplay certain things um, and you emphasize much more user friendly, you know, and, and topics that are very, you know, practical on a, on a human interest level. And and to that I would say, you know, there's no book more practical than the Bible, no book more helpful than the Bible. But but it's interesting that what seemed to really sway Andy Stanley, and then, hey, I'll admit that. I mean, I've been a pastor for um, you know 32 years. I remember you know early in my ministry. You know, I mean, heck, I was I was swayed in that sense by what God was doing at like Willow Creek, and and you know that was the the, the quote unquote church growth movement was a big thing back then, and so it's hard. As a as a minister, and especially as a young minister, um, at least for a lot of guys, I think to not be drawn to this. Like, who wouldn't like to have you know a lot more people that you're reaching? And so, oh wow, they're reaching more people. So I guess we need to do it that way. And um and you can really get pulled into the pragmatic um, approach. If it were if it's if it works, if if it's getting numbers, then then let's do it. And and that's what I think Andy Stanley meant when he says it wrecked me. But but. I would just simply say, Son, that... I think what people have seen, though, just like with with Bill Hybels, you know, coming out later in his ministry and saying, "Hey, you know, we, we, we really didn't approach discipleship from a very biblical perspective," um, um, and again, I don't want—I'm not saying that's word for word on how he said it, but that's the sense I think a lot of people heard when he he, he basically more or less repented of, of of the way that they tried to um, you know do church, okay, if you will, um, but but interesting with Andy Stanley is is that by him saying, it wrecked me, he didn't seem at all bothered when he started coming out a few years ago with like, hey, downplay the Old Testament, you know, Uh, we really just need the words of Jesus today. Um, And and he he didn't seem to see the disconnect on, on how the Old Testament is foundational to the New Testament, how the Old Covenant is foundational to the New Covenant, how the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament how 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 the god who in the old testament seemed to have a lot more wrath uh than the god of the new testament who seems to have a lot more love it's the same god um it's just different aspects of god um and 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 if if you don't see the wrath of god in what jesus endured on the cross for our sin then you don't understand just how much god hates sin to the to the point that it has to be paid for one way or the other um and, and if you don't read the new testament literally and you don't take heaven and hell seriously, then you're going to assume, oh, Jesus is just all lovey-dovey, no wrath whatsoever, and the God of the Old Testament is angry and and wrathful. And and, and so I suspect that unbiblical um, narrative, uh, which is completely not what the Bible is is teaching, I suspect that's what maybe led Andy Stanley to want to start downplaying the the Old Testament. But I'll just leave it at this, son. Um, There were plenty of... Uh, knowledgeable Christians, you know, leaders and others who just said, hey, you know, um, this is not this is not accurate. Uh, you know what Andy Stanley's saying about the old Testament, don't believe it. That that that's not the, the perspective you need to have. You can preach the old Testament with just as much authority and conviction and, and gratefulness to God as you can. I mean, in fact, Son, I mean, th- this Sunday I'll be on my, uh, fifth and final message going through the book of Jonah. And oh my goodness. I mean, <laughs> there is so much in the old Testament. Um, you know, those 39 books, uh, uh, and, and the 27 books of the New Testament. You know, it's not that some are better than the other or some are more inspired than the other. But but I just go into all that to say that I think this pragmatic approach, um, it, that it, it, it basically evolved out of what you're describing there, Son, as um, people who, um, you know, they, they, they wanted to maybe, maybe, you know, they wanted to do something good, which by the way, I have no doubt that Bill Hybel's motives, um, at least early on, and hopefully for most or all of his ministry, was to reach, you know, he wanted to reach souls for Christ. I have no doubt about that. But I I think the methodology that he got pulled into and then kind of became known for, and then, you know, you have Andy Stanley as one of his disciples, if you will, and and others who have, you know, seeker-sensitive, 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 to to the point where, son, it looks very different than, let's say, like if you were to go to a Calvary Chapel service or, or any Christian worship service where the Bible, is being taught, you're like, wait a minute, you know, why, why do they teach the Bible every Sunday with such thorough, um, you know, such a thorough teaching? Whereas I go to this other church, it's very light, you know, it's like Christianity light. Um, they, 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 they don't seem to want to offend anybody. They don't, they don't mention sin very much. They, they don't certainly don't mention hell. Um, they don't really, Tell you what you 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 need to do to to stop sinning um it's just all kind of you know ten steps on how to have a better marriage or five steps on how to have better finances or or whatever and nothing against that in itself, but if you're not preaching the word and coming from the word, if you're just preaching moral lessons or or um you know I know Joel Osteen is well known for saying you know you can have your best life now well um In many respects, yes. But in other respects, no, not if you 're in a country where you 're being persecuted because you're a Christian how is that your how is that better than than what heaven's going to be you know what you know why would you tell people they can have their best life now when the Bible says everyone who wants to live a, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted now again i'm not trying to throw Joel you know the bus here or say that he's not a Christian um, you know but I, but I'll say that that um, you, you you've got some messengers out there who want to go very, very light on sin. uh, Or uh, I actually wrote an article one time, Son, you might remember it, but years ago entitled Why Joel Osteen Should Preach on Hell. Um, And, and, you know, the point of the article was just, hey, you know, uh, it can't just all be – Um, you know, a bed of roses. It can't just all be the the fluff. It can't just all be the, oh, you know, God wants you to have your best life now. And and if you're not, then just believe God for that promotion. I mean, a lot of his talk is, you know, getting the next job promotion, getting this, getting that. Well, I mean, okay. But, you know, if you preach the word, you're going to get much deeper teaching and and it's going to be grounded in the word. It's not really going to have to do with whether God gives you that next job promotion or not. It's going to have to do with whether I'm growing. In the Lord, whether I'm growing in faith and where I'm not, uh, the Word's going to challenge me. It's going to convict me. Um, so, yeah, I think you hit it spot on there, Son, with uh, um, th- that whole secret-sensitive uh, approach. Um, and again, I don't want to throw Bill Hybels under the bus. I I certainly have no doubt he's a believer in Jesus. Uh, he has he he's had zeal to win the lost. Um, but you know, any of us, Son, our our zeal can can kind of lead us off into directions that maybe are not wholesome. Um, You know, they they said with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, you know, when they started their whole thing, that that their motives were, you know, they they seemed to be humble and they didn't want to be these big television stars. Well, you know, we saw how that went off the rails, you know, so any of us are susceptible to that. And if we're not careful, um, we'll find that a very humble, noble desire to reach souls for Christ, we might be led astray away from a biblically grounded ministry if we're
0: not careful yeah you see that's why two things first um i think it's also just to wrap up the the subtleties of like a bill hybels type situation yeah i don't think the intent was there they obviously had good intentions the church that i was at when they went to the change had good intentions they didn't they just did not realize the full ramifications of kind of chasing away because again if you're if you're a lifelong christian and you go to a church and you're there Sunday mornings, and then all of a sudden you are starting to learn elementary-level Sunday school lessons, and you're in high school because you've got a bunch of new Christians coming in. Now all of a sudden you're not being fed, therefore you're going to leave and go find something that's going to satisfy the soul, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so then you're left with just a a bunch of new believers. Well, then eventually I think that system kind of collapses. But also the subtleties of, you know, people putting the – scriptures and stuff up on the screen nothing wrong with that but then it got people not bringing their bibles and then whatever version of scripture that they use and some went to the message you know the message uh, bible and started using that which i thought was you know probably something that we shouldn't have done anyway so you got these little subtleties as taking the responsibility off of the individual and put it on the pastor, the church, whomever. You had youth pa- uh, music uh, people, you know, the music ministers start writing their own songs. Okay, nothing wrong with that, but the next thing you know, they're hawking their CDs at the Bible bookstore after school, I mean, after church service. Right. Um, so right. you have some things, which leads me to say this. You mentioned Tammy Faye, you know, Paul and Jan Crouch, they were that way from TBN. Um, yes. When I was doing a religious talk show where we met in the Frank Sontag show, we've talked about it many times, I would fill out mm-hmm. a, a bio, of who's coming on the show and a lot of these big time pastors, you read their bio and the bio would read so-and-so led a church from 20 people to 25,000 people, you know, Bill Hybels in his bio or any number of people. Well, no, that person didn't. And I understand that, you know, maybe you're trying to write something, but the reality is is that God led you and used you as a tool to grow his kingdom which yeah. then leads me to my final point is I think Satan uses that so people have good intentions. people okay are growing a church they're growing a TV empire whatever but then Satan utilizes their own narcissism their own you know yeah. vanity their yeah. own pride to then right. skew that religion or to skew that yeah. Christian message and now all of a sudden instead of preaching the gospel you're worried about you know the money coming in. You know, we got to have all these telethons and stuff to have money come in. Well, you never worried about the money. When you started your ministry, you just were on your knees yeah. praying that God would, would sustain your ministry and God would sustain your ministry. And all of a sudden you're like preaching. We need money. We need money. We need money. And it becomes a money thing. Right. Or right. you right. get so big that the fame takes over and all of a sudden you're mm-hmm. skewed in your fame. And so that's why, like, I'm always convinced that for me, you know, we do the podcast and stuff you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. I'd like to reach as many people as possible, but I'm also not really concerned about reaching people and the numbers because for me, it's all about that one person that needs to read that one thing or hear that one thing at that one time and God uses it. And so sometimes, you know, I'm even kind of leery of like, Hey God, don't let this thing get too big because I don't want it (laughs) to affect me. You know, it's almost like the reverse thought. And that's just me because, because I, because I know if I got big, then I would start, Making decisions and doing things based on, okay, what can I do now to get more listeners? What can I do instead of just realizing that, you know, I'm just going to preach gospel as best I can and use this as best I can and use you as best I can so that we can just spread Mm -hmm. the message and then allow God to let whomever needs to hear it at whatever time for whatever reason and then just leave it at that.
1: Oh, very well said, Son. And, you know, as you were sharing that, um, a couple of thoughts came to mind. And, you know, they, they, they've always said, and it's so true, and whether it's like for an evangelist, a traveling evangelist, uh, for a, a pastor uh, of, a, of a local church, or really for any Christian, uh, whether it be a Christian leader or just even a Christian in general. You know, they say, uh, you know, the, the three big uh, areas of temptation are, you know, money, sex, and poverty. Um, so there'll be um, uh, temptations to... Um you know, focus on money and 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 get more money, or some tem- sexual temptations uh, that um, will stir up those desires and and uh, tempt a person in that direction, or power. You know, fame. Um, and, and you think about all three of those. Um, you know, we we've talked on the podcast about the uh, the prosperity preachers and how people like Kenneth Copeland they're just enticing people to chase after riches, and so he flaunts his jets, private jets and mansion and everything else, you know, but but here's, here's the thing though, son, that that, that he doesn't realize. Okay. Um, Just because he hungers, and I would even say lust after those material things that he justifies because as he reads the Bible under the Old Covenant, if it was good enough for Abraham, God certainly wants me to have it today. And and, and so he he uh, wrongly assumes that that's what God wants believers to have today, even though the Bible is very, very clear that God warns against a, a love of money and a love of wealth and, and um, you know, like the, the proverb wealth is worthless in the day of wrath and, and whoever loves money never has money enough. And, um, and, and everyone who, who seeks to be rich falls into temptation and a trap. I mean, so all of these things they ignore, but that's one, one of those big three uh, money, sex, and power. So you got, you got preachers out there um, who maybe he started out, on just preaching the gospel. I haven't really researched, you know, Kenneth Copeland's beginnings. Um, there's a lot of bad theology we could talk about there uh, uh, among other things. you know, he teaches that Jesus was born again in hell, I mean, we could talk, we do a whole podcast on why that is just so, uh, diabolical, but anyway, um, so you got, you got the money thing. Uh, and then I would say you, you've got the, the, the power thing. Um, you know, so, so we talk about like the secret sensitive churches. We, we, we talk about, you know, um, you know, Andy Stanley said, well, it wrecked me. Well, you know what wrecked him? Uh, he's using that in a good, a good way is that, well, I had no idea that, um, a church could get that large and could reach that many people. Um, and and so you you start then, I think, to um, to fall into doing things that will make it grow, whether they're grounded in Scripture or not. And what's interesting sound is this, and this is what Kenneth Copeland doesn't understand, and, and maybe Bill Hybels has a better handle handle on this now than maybe he would have years ago. And I can't say, you know, I've got some perfect handle on it, uh, but, but I'll just say this. Um, Kenneth Copeland doesn't seem to understand stance on that. I mean, most Christians would not be able to handle, uh, great wealth without it ruining their faith. And so why do you think God says, um, you know, you cannot, uh, love both God and money. Um, so he doesn't seem to understand that nor does he seem to care, uh, if, if a person is loving wealth, uh, because he's not grounded in biblical theology and he doesn't see the danger because he's been enticed by it because he's He's in love with it because he's zealous for it. He's preaching it as though it's Bible truth. And it's not. It's not what God wants. So so even if um, that were to come to a lot of his followers, which it doesn't, um, Who's to say, son, that wouldn't be a terrible thing for them? Just like you mentioned a moment ago, why, why it's like, well, Lord, I'm not sure, you know. Boy, if you ever were to, you know, bless with, you know, just hundreds or even thousands of, of listeners or responses to the podcast, I mean, Lord, I, the last thing I ever want is for that to change my attitude or my approach or my mentality or my faith or anything like that, because because you're very self aware, son. That, that in these in these bodies that we're in uh, with, with Temptation and all—we're um, susceptible to pride. We're susceptible to these things, so we have to be extremely careful. Um, and I would say that with maybe like the Jim and Tammy Bakers of the world, um, you know, they, they got caught off guard by all the fame, and and and, and I'm sure it led them to do things that um, you know they they're, they're they're not proud of now. But so so you've got people going off on the money angle, and then preaching money. You guys should have money, and they don't even realize how how deadly that would be for their. Listeners. You got people preaching. You should have a huge church because look at Willow Creek. But they don't realize that, um, you know, for, for, for many pastors, um, you know, that, you know, many pastors, we, we would not be ready or able or gifted or called to um may, maybe be you know like a, a, a senior pastor to bill hybel's church um you know how, how many could could do that without it going to their head or or could do so in a way that would be um beneficial to the people because i mean even willow creek itself okay it's like if, if that's the model um i mean they eventually came out and said that you know hey this isn't really the the best model so so I've kind of wondered, son, if um, you know, if, if we didn't just have, say, churches with fifty or a hundred or two hundred people in attendance, but if they were biblically grounded. Not to say there aren't some wonderful larger churches, because there are. Uh, and again, even with like the Calvary Chapel that I mentioned, I mean, there are a few in, in their uh, association uh, that have thousands of attenders. But but those are those are more the exception. Um, you know, those are much more the exception. But um, I, what I what I'm saying is that it's not intended. You know, everybody's not going to be a Billy Graham. There's one Billy Graham. Every every pastor's not going to pastor a huge mega church, you know, nor nor would that be best for the pastor or the people. Um, every Christian is not going to have the kind of wealth that Kenneth Copeland has. Nor should they. They're not ready. they wouldn't be able to handle it. It would destroy their faith, and Kenneth Copeland doesn't know this. And the last thing I'll say son is those who are driven by their their unbiblical views of sexuality, so you got money, sex and power. What happens? They start preaching sex immorality as though it 's no longer sin, and we see this in those mainline denominations and those other you know just quote unquote progressive churches that now have have uh, have said that now you, you can engage in um, say, for example, um, homosexuality, and it's no longer sinful. We can have a gay marriage and call it marriage, um, uh, even though that's not what the Bible defines as marriage. So when you go off the rails on money, sex, or power, you try to get others to go with you, and you preach it as though it's holy. You preach as though it's biblical. You preach as though God wants it. And And I'll give one more example. son. We see this in the culture today with people who are preaching, Transgender ideology. Okay, so we were with our uh, our four kids last night, son. Um, we had a little uh, uh, dinner over here. Um, our one daughter is a hairstylist, so she was uh, doing something with Cammy, my wife's hair, and then Hannah's hair. But our, and our sons were here, and you know they'd all had a busy day at their jobs, but we had a great time for a couple hours last night. And um, one of my daughters, um, the one who works at the salon, I believe it was, uh, who said that uh, somebody was talking about a, um, a grade school that their child attends and how like every 10 year old in the class apparently either identifies as like you know, transgender or bisexual or homosexual. I mean, it, was, it blew me away. What do you mean 10-year-olds doing that? Well, what do you mean everyone is doing that? But it is so um, much in vogue today. And so my, my point is this, son, you've got people preaching this stuff, preaching transgenderism is the way to go. Bisexuality is the way to go. Lesbianism is the way to go. You know homosexuality is the way to go and 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 kids are very susceptible to that and and so if you're preaching a, a false message about sex uh, about gender about money about fame or all you pastors now at this church growth conference you all can have a church like Bill Hybels just do the steps that we, we did and if you if you don't follow these steps and you don't get to be this big well okay maybe you won't be much of a success but um, and by the way the last thing I'll say son is this and that is the one thing that that you will hear a lot of with, with like the uh, and again not to throw Joel Steen uh, you know under the bus or anybody but um, a lot of the things you'll hear in uh, Bill Hybels was big on this too. They'll preach principles, principles, biblical principles, principles. Um, well, the Bible says preach the word. Now, when you preach the Bible, son, a lot of principles come out of that, but you're not starting with do this, do that. And that brings us full circle to where we started today with religion. Religion's about do this, do that, do that. Well, you don't necessarily associate like, like the, the Joel Osteen message or the uh, Bill Hybels message um, with religion, But any church that's just preaching principles, 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 there was a program years ago about, you know, growing kids, God's way. And it was all about principles, principles, very heavy on the law, Uh, very heavy on principles, principles. Well, here's what Chuck Smith noticed in his ministry. And I'll leave it at that song uh, with Calvary Chapel for years. He was a pastor in some mainline denomination, might've been a Baptist, you know, Uh, but anyway, um, He said he was following all the church growth manuals. He was preaching the principles, you know, and the things he was supposed to be preaching and, you know, they really weren't reaching anyone. And, but he was preaching the principles, but then it's like the Lord showed him just preach the Bible, just preach the word and people started to grow and people started to get saved and and people started to be reached for the Lord. So, so that just simply says full circle religions about principles. Um, People can be religious and I think far more easily get, get swayed by fame, uh, by sexual temptation, and by financial temptation. We're all susceptible to those temptations. But our only hope, son, is Christ, his cross, and then the Word of God, which we need. And, and the devil's always trying to get Christians and churches, get away from the Word. You know, oh, here's how you can grow your church, or here's how you can be progressive. You know, stop talking about that, that, that sexual stuff outside of marriage between a man and a woman being sinful, hey, they didn't know back then what we know today. We're smarter. We're more enlightened, you know, or or Kenneth Copeland saying, hey, you know, forget those New Testament verses that talk against wealth. Um, Look at Abraham. Look at the Old Covenant, you know. Look at me. Look at my jets. Look at my mansion. You're telling me this thing doesn't work? Well, he might as well be an Amway guy because it certainly is not biblical theology that he's presenting and nothing against Amway. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, that's not the Christian gospel uh, far from it.
0: Yeah, Amway and their LOC was actually pretty good stuff. But um, anyway,s yeah. um, two things: one, when you say pastors are going to conferences how to grow the church, okay, that might be one probably. thing. But if you're going for that purpose only, then and your and your mission is to grow the church, I think you're probably off. Two. We did a conference one time, and there was a pastor. and I forget who it was, but it was a pastor's conference. So everybody in attendance was pretty much a pastor. And the message of the uh-huh. keynote speaker was: You guys need to stop doing the business of church and start doing the business of preaching. Meaning that the church, you know, pastors have gotten to the point where all they want to do is church business, and they're not serving, you know, the the the, the flock, so to speak. You know, and they're not they're not preaching, they're not teaching, they're not ministering to the people. And instead they're just conducting church business and preaching is the last thing that they were focused on, he felt. And then also, you know, when you think about it, you got a church of a a thousand people, let's just say, and people think, Hey, that's great. But what about instead of one church with a thousand people where maybe 990 of them show up and then go home and that's it. Why not have, you know, 10 churches with a hundred people, you know, and you can start going out and doing more things. I remember growing up a lot of the stuff that we did was like, we would go on a Monday night, I don't know if it was once a, once a month or once a week, I forget, but we would go down to a, a mission in downtown LA, Skid Row, and mm-hmm. we would provide a service, you know, a mini service. Someone would give a testimony, you know, we'd sing a couple songs, and then we'd just kind of talk to the people. And that was an eye-opening thing for me in high school, you know, Skid Row, homeless people. That was on the the verge of now what's blown into a full, full-on, you know, homelessness population out there. Right. Right, And we would do things, you know, we'd go out and we'd actually do things and, uh, you know, we'd stand in the corner and pass out tracks, you know, we'd stand out in the corner, we go door to door, you know, some of these things, And it's not patting myself on the back, it's just that we've gotten away from that type of thing. And, and, you know, sometimes going door to door might not be the wisest thing because of today's, you know, know, and and the environment today. But the point is, the emphasis was on going out and meeting the people like Jesus did. Versus trying to wrangle people to come to you. It was going to meet the people where they're at. And then That's the other right. thing too is um, as we, as you're talking about that, you know, these influences and stuff, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, social media because there's a lot of people, mm-hmm. you you, know, you mentioned your daughter talking about all these kids being transgendered and yeah. identifying, yeah, yeah. you know, it's yeah. become so prevalent on social media. It's become so yeah. open. And some of these people that are promoting it, they're young people and they don't even know what they're talking about. So it's kind of like the religious thing. Yeah. It's kind of like someone like, yeah. you know, talking about, whatever in in leading people astray when it comes to you know theology biblical theology now you've got mm-hmm. these people in these different ideologies and leading people astray you've got people who've never had an abortion telling people you should have an abortion and you feel good about it and then they go out and have an abortion and they realize it's the most horrible snake i've ever made the worst thing you can go through not only physically right. uh with right. all the physical stuff and the mental stuff and everything like that but you're telling but people that have never done it or experienced it are telling people to do that you know, and And, that's right. And so you've got this influence, you know, and you've got these, these clubs before and after school where kids are getting their fingernails painted and all this stuff. And it's the little things that are being put in there and people, all that's cute, whatever, but no, it's, it's people being influenced from social media because now there's a mass messaging that can be put out. People are accepting it because they lack a biblical foundation and what their belief system says. And so they push it on other people. And I think some of it, from the source is intentional, but along the way, I think there's a lot of unintentional people that are being influenced, that Satan is utilizing this message through social media and the influence to then turn yeah. around and push yeah. it on even younger people, where you get yeah, 10-year-olds sure, right. now identifying as transgendered or whatever.
1: Well, that's exactly right, son. Yeah, uh, You know, back in 2019, I-, I wrote an article entitled, Will America's Public Grade Schools Become Transgender Mills? And and that was a concern for many of us uh, three years ago. It's even more of a concern today. Um, you know we are seeing this before our very eyes. These impressionable minds that are being um, told lies that if they have some gender confusion, that the best thing to do is to take um, you know this this hormone therapy. You know suppress your hormones. We can help to get some hormonal changes going on, and then we're going to start working toward a radical surgery to alter your body, and that's going to supposedly make you be fulfilled uh whereas in days past on um what wisdom would have led parents to do is to just be patient with their their little girl who likes being a tall boy or their little boy who may have some feminine things um that you know maybe he likes to play with dolls or something like this you know today there's this mad rush oh transgender you know we need to change uh your gender uh which is just totally science fiction and a wicked abusive thing to do to any child um, uh, but back in the day you know you would just um, not not, not get uh, you know all flustered about it and then uh, the vast majority uh, of those kids would, would grow out of that little phase you know uh, my, my, my daughter mentioned here in the last week a few days ago I guess on some customer came walking into the shop uh, and announced rather loudly with excitement about this friend who had just had and i'll just say her upper anatomy uh chopped off and she's celebrating this it's like wow you know i'm so excited my friend now who's uh you know transgendering um and 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 you know this is just unbelievable son and and yet there are more and more stories of people who are 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 coming out and saying why did i why did i do that why did i give into that why didn't somebody give me wise counsel you know they did a they did a study years ago i believe it was in Sweden and a very extensive study with a, a lot of transgender individuals and, and they found that the suicide rate was like 300% uh, higher than just the, um, you know, the average population. So um, not only does it not bring peace when you alter your mind and your body to fit um, some confusion that you're having, um, but it really just sets you up for despair. Um, uh, you know, people who, who, uh, had these radical surgeries now saw and they can't go back and undo what they've done it's just tragic and, and then the worst of it really is, is when you see educators or even parents that are uh, promoting this kind of abuse with their gender-confused child, uh, either at home or in the school. So um, it it is truly a very, very sad thing that is happening, a tragic thing uh, that is happening. And and if we don't speak the truth in love on this issue, um, then I think we're being negligent, um, just like over the years, many, uh, many Christians and many others who, who are aware of, of the fact that abortion, you know, is taking a human life, have spoken out on that issue. Um, and now thankfully after, you know, 50 years of, of just the unthinkable going on in America, um, you know, the Supreme court made a, a wise decision, but, but you certainly see, um, how rabid, uh, people are about this and, and they need prayer. They need, um, they need the Lord. Um, we're all sinners, you know, we're all sinners. We we all need the Lord, but yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of spiritual warfare going on in America, son, a lot of light and darkness. Um, and oh, the one other thing I was going to say, when you mentioned about, you know, the pastors, um, I remember son early, uh, in my time as a pastor, uh, maybe even when I was at seminary, you know, uh, a, a lot of stuff started coming out, you know, the pastor as CEO, you know, the pastor. so there was this shift away from the shepherd, and and now the pastor is CEO. In fact, one analogy that that you know it was rather seductive to think about, but it's like well you know trying to move pastors' ideas away from the uh, a shepherd model of ministry to a rancher model. You know, so, so, you know, you really need to become more of a leader. You need to be the leader of leaders, not so much, you know, feeding the flock, you know, but, but the leader of leaders and it needs to be a large church. And so there was this shift away from kind of the biblical model of pastoring to more of a worldly corporate model. And, and, and you even see this with a lot of churches, you know, the the big thing became well, we need to have our mission statement and we need to have like a corporate type board uh, you know, in our church. But I'll tell you, son, that does not, um, that does not help uh, in, in, especially in those churches where the word is not being preached because you, you, you can make yourself look like the world. You might even increase in numbers, but if you don't have a faithful pulpit where the word of God is being preached in love, in grace, in truth, um, then what do you have? You, you, you just have a, a large organization um, and, and, You know that's not what God calls us to focus on. If the Lord makes it large, I mean, look at what God did with Billy Graham's ministry, huge organization, maybe $100 million a year in terms of taking the gospel around the world. But by God's grace, I mean, I certainly believe as millions of Christians do, you know, the Lord guarded Billy Graham's heart. Um, You know, he he didn't become, you know, too big for his britches. He didn't go out there and tout himself. Uh, That was all the grace of God in his life. So, I mean, you're going to have a few exceptions where people are going to have a Huge ministry or a, a huge church is going to grow, but like you said, son, it's very—it's um, it, a real turnoff when when, when uh, groups talk about, well, this guy grew his church from you know ten people to a thousand. Well, if he grew the church to that, then I wouldn't put much stock in the growth. But if the Holy Spirit um, grows a church, and and this is why I, I reference you know like with Chuck Smith and, and Calvary Chapel, but but um, you know those mega churches in those settings, son, where the word is being preach, those are, are somewhat rare because the, the, the spiritual battle is so intense. And, and we simply don't have um, a, a ton of mega churches in America where the word is being faithfully preached. We have some, but I'm not convinced that we need a, a lot more. If God does that, great. But, um, you know, for, for I would say for most, you know, I think it was 80% of churches on, even before COVID, had 100 or, or, or less in attendance, okay? Just let that statistic sink in, 80%. Now, um, are those churches failing because they're not reaching thousands of people? You know, was Jesus a failure because he concentrated most of his time on the 12? Or by doing that... Did God's plan turn the world upside down with a message that continues to reverberate today, that continues to be passed on from one generation to the other? Um, Because the focus was on the message and the quality of the disciples, not on numbers for numbers sake. You know, so that's the model. Um, And and I I believe that pastors are called to be shepherds. Um, Now, you've got some churches where you've got senior pastors who uh, have the gifts to be more of a rancher. you know fine you know if, if that's what god does it, it, but um it is very seductive it's very seductive and uh, it's very easy as we see in the culture to then want to kind of tamper down the message a bit water it down a bit we got more people coming now that maybe they don't agree with that part of the bible so we got to be careful that we we don't preach that you know we don't touch that topic i mean don't you certainly can't talk about hell for example uh and yet jesus talked a lot about heaven and hell. So are we going to do what Jesus did on that? Are we going to do what the word does or are we going to do what kind of tickles people's ears? And, and this is, I think the, the challenge that, you know, uh, Christians have had for 2000 years.
0: Yeah. I mean, you think about it. Okay. So you have your church of a thousand or 3000, how much of an impact are those people having in the community? Okay. So let's just say you have um, 10% of those people doing, active ministry type stuff beyond the church. But then, and how many people that would reach? But think about this, you have one Jesus uh, investing in 12, 12 then invests in 12, then those 12 invests in 12, those in 12, those in 12, and now you really got your Amway thing going with the people reaching people reaching people and now you've gone well beyond the 3,000 and you've expanded beyond the reach of, you know, ministry testimony, spreading the gospel. And so sometimes it only takes one person to invest in one life. That one life invests in another life. That life invests in a fourth life. And then next thing you know, it's starting to spread person to person as opposed to in a corporate setting where you just race in, sit down at the last minute, maybe you're in the back row because you want to be the first one out. You want to be stuck in traffic in the aisles trying to get out during the benediction. Um, and it just kind of changes things when you get away from the corporate level of worship and ministry in church and more into the personal relationship ministry of church. It's just a big difference.
1: Well, it is, son. And, you know, I think a lot of churches are program driven and they have all sorts of programs and a lot of those programs are doing good things. But the thing I think we have to keep in mind is that just because you might have a mega church and, you know, maybe, you know, you've been able to uh, address this social need in the community. Uh, You know, maybe everybody's brought, you know, a can of food that day. And it's a great what I mean, or, or, or for some foreign mission work. Great. I mean, those are all important things to do. You know, but 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 what's more important than um, feeding the sheep so that they'll be strong enough, son? Not just to maybe be one number out of a thousand or five thousand people who, who participated in this program, but now they're going home to a marriage or to a home or maybe with kids or parents, whereby they're now strong enough in the Lord to you know to, to pray with their family, to help their family, to guide their family, to be led by the Spirit. Um, you, you know, so. Uh, being program driven is not always the same thing as being grounded first in the word. And, and there's also this tendency, I think sometimes, you know, to think, well, we got to be busy. We gotta be, we gotta get people busy. And there've been a lot of people song who've ended up spending so much time in church work or in church programs That they've not invested time in their own kids or their own marriage or their own, you know, I mean, uh, or or their own, uh, you know, co-workers or neighbors. I mean, um, so it can't just be about um, we got to have these huge, massive churches with huge, massive programs and all these incredible numbers that we can announce that we did this and we did that. Well, fine, if that's what God's calling you to do, I'd say do it and bless as many people as you can through it. Great. But at the end of the day, son, um, you know, that average, you know, 80, you know, under 100 people uh, in, in church, in American churches, 80%. That number is even lower now uh, after COVID. Um, I wrote an article about, I, I think maybe I stated that like the median uh, number in, a, in a, uh, American churches are maybe like 75. And I had a guy write me who who works with these statistics all the time, and a very nice little email, but he, he, uh, he let me know that now, oh, because I quoted their resource on that. And um, it was a church growth resource. Or a church, they, they study these things, and and he said, "Well, I just want to let you know that now, after COVID, I think it was like maybe sixty-seven or something, the median number of attenders uh, in, in American churches. So it, it just goes to say, a lot of times the mega churches and the mega preachers get a lot of the press for good or bad, but in the trenches, son, where you know, probably ninety percent of the Christians live, in, in terms of the church that they're in." It's not one of these huge mega churches. Um, It's something more, you know, much smaller than that. But but big or small, um, the Lord is after spiritual growth. So it's not it's not a sin or right or wrong to go to a church of ten thousand or a church of ten. But um, you know, the, the question is, am I growing in the Word? Is the Word being preached? Um, is the pastor or the preachers, are they being seduced by the world to to alter the message? You know, uh, let's set aside the old Testament. We know we don't need that anymore. Um, Oh, now the new Testament. um, Maybe we don't really need to talk about hell. That's, that's going to offend too many people. And let's not talk about sexual issues because we know that's going to get us in trouble. And, and boy, I would never touch this transgender issue, you know, from the pulpit because um, you know that that's, you know, but but so I mean, son, you know, the, these are these are the, the the ways that Satan works. I believe to try to get us off message, off point, point. Um, and we're all susceptible to that. We're all imperfect, and you know even some of these names that we've mentioned today, whether it be Bill Hybels or Joe Osteen or you know some of Andy Stanley. I mean, there've been a lot of people helped through those uh, uh, through what those men have delivered. But it'd be interesting at the end of their ministry. When that day comes, and and they look back and they compare their approach to the approach of, let's say, some other uh, ministers who who just preached through the Bible and and took a different approach to uh, church growth, took a different approach to the Old Testament, took a different approach than uh, I mean, obviously, like with Joel Osteen, you know, he he, he's kind of bought into the. uh, kind of the Christian science idea that your words have creative power and and, and you have to be careful what you say because you're going to create reality. Well, I mean, just even things like that, uh, they just really are a long way from New Testament theology. It's um, interesting when they get done and they look back at that. But again, uh, we're not here to judge uh, individuals. Uh, we are to judge a doctrine. Um, we are to judge uh, the message and we are to, to be open to correction. And I love what you said earlier Son, about how um, you know in a church. I mean, um, you, you should never just take a, a preacher's word for it. I mean, compare it with Scripture, like the Bereans. I mean, Paul said, "Hey, they 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 checked to see if, if 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 what I was saying was was biblical or not." So, um, uh, so yeah, so that's what people are should be encouraged to do: compare it to the Word, and then and then preachers, ministers, Christians. I mean, Bible study teachers, Sunday school teachers. I mean, be open to correction if somebody be very open, if somebody comes to you and says, Hey, you know, I think you're, I don't know that your message here is squaring with the word of God. Be very, very open to that. And then bring in some others too, with wisdom on that, because you might be wrong. I might be wrong. There might be something where we have gone um, astray on some teaching. And, and, And if we're not, Humble, um, you know, and not open. Then, oh no, you know. I I, I mean, just imagine how many times somebody's probably tried to correct Kenneth Copeland on his false teaching. But I I don't sense an ounce of humility on that issue at all. Um, He seems as as determined as ever to try to get people to chase after money, even though Jesus did pretty much the opposite of that. So, um, you know, some people just don't seem willing to learn. Even though I'm sure, uh, I mean, he, he pretty much insulates himself. I think from from you know quote unquote critics, you know, got to be careful when you're not willing to listen to any of your critics. It's like, wait a minute, you know, maybe some of those critics have got something you need to hear. So, um, so anyway, sign, yeah, just a great discussion today.
0: Yeah. Dan Dozel, we appreciate it. We thank you for your time. Um, it's definitely, um, like I said, if it's the Bible doesn't back it, then it's probably the devil whispering in your ear because everything can be, if it can't be backed by the Bible, then you should definitely question it and um, sometimes you know it might just take a um, I know I've done it several times where I've emailed or reached out to a pastor um, or somebody that was speaking at a church and want some clarification and it was either just kind of a misunderstanding or he didn't communicate his point um, you know whatever the case may be and sometimes it was blatant like this is what they believe okay I'm out of here you know I've left churches because of it um, but anyway, so, um, sometimes, you know, communication can be key when you're trying to resolve these things. But again, when it comes down to it, if it's not in the Bible, then perhaps it's something that we shouldn't, uh, be listening to. But anyways, Dan, we appreciate it. We thank you, uh, as always. And we look forward to our uh, next visit, God willing.
1: Well, absolutely. son. I look forward to that as well. And thank you today again for just tackling such an important topic It's just a joy to be along, uh, be along on the right here with you.
0: For Dan Delzell, I'm Son Edom. This is Sanctified Reason. We'd like to uh, thank you for listening. You can find more of our episodes at uh, Radiowarp.com. That's radio, W A R P, Radiowarp.com. Just click on the uh, Sanctified Reason icon logo and it'll take us to our, uh, take you to the uh, show page that has all the shows that we've done and you can listen to other episodes and, um, You know, if you want, tell a friend, and maybe somebody out there needs to hear it. Maybe they're that one person at that one time that needs to hear that one thing that's said on the show. And, uh, again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.